Our Cure Kids is a charity which is one of New Zealand's largest funders of child health research. Francis is with me now. Hi, Francis. Kia ora, Heather. Hey, it's great to have you with us. First of all, can you just tell us a little bit about what work Cure Kids does? So, um, as you said, Cure Kids is New Zealand's largest charitable funder of child health research. Um, and uh, what we do is we work with scientists and health researchers who are hugely passionate about finding solutions for those um, so Kiwi kids facing health conditions. And uh, I think this pandemic just really reinforces that we've never needed a robust, robust health research community as much as we do now. Yeah. Um, but Cure Kids typically sort of relies on corporate partnerships and public donations. So, um, yeah, so this uh, scenario at the moment is, is impacting us. I imagine that um, people would probably know your work from sudden unexpected death in infants. Would that be right? That's correct, yes. That's, uh, uh, all of our, our big cot death campaigns were, were uh, Kids was really notorious for. Yeah. So as you were saying, corporate partnerships and whatnot is what you rely on for funding. I imagine the lockdown and all the related uh, responses to COVID-19 has just made your job a lot harder. Look, it has because, um, you know, Cure Kids typically relies on the generosity of, of big retailers like Briscoe's have been really wonderful for us. Mm. Um, but most of these players have been shut and um, that means that funding initiatives like the um, asking at the counter in Briscoe's, um, things like major gala dinners, street appeals, um, all of which have been um, uh, are no longer possible under lockdown and we've, had, and we've had to cancel some major fundraising initiatives. So as a result of this loss, there's probably a potential for up to a million dollars in child health research funding in jeopardy. And just to give you an idea of what this means, um, last year, Cure Kids committed just over a million dollars to 12 new child health research projects in the areas of sudden unexpected death, an infancy, rheumatic heart disease, mental health, and cancer, and these types of research projects just might not happen if we aren't able to, t- to find the funding. Yeah, you were talking about street appeals just before, obviously relying on, on public donations. What do you reckon is going to happen to donations as we head into what is almost certainly going to be a really hard economic time? Look, I think um, I, I think often in times of financial strain, one of the first uh, expenditures that household cut back on is charitable donations, and our retail and hospitality partners are really struggling. Um, but I also see that there's some amazing support nationwide thanks to communities coming together and doing their part to help those who are vulnerable. And I guess the other challenges for charities will be having to change some of their fundraising platforms in light of the different alert levels. And I think we'll be pivoting a lot with things like uh, public events are at stake. Mm-hmm. Um, but it yeah, definitely will be a tough time to plan for a sustainable future for many charities. I can imagine. Now, I know that you're already thinking ahead and thinking about how to perhaps draw the attention of some philanthropists, you know, high net uh, worth individuals, get them on board. Have you had much success with that? Yeah, look, we, um, I mean, one of the things we did a couple of years ago was pull away a little bit from some of those major events, which are quite expensive to organise and really quite labour intensive. So we we started looking at new ways to explore new look partnerships with individuals that may be sort of high net worth 
or who are really interested in championing a new and meaningful um, health project that really has the potential to improve the lives of thousands of children. And it's really important for donors to feel engaged with the research project. I think we all know at least one child with a health condition that we'd like to see a cure for. So our focus on philanthropy and corporate partnership giving is a really effective way to fundraise without the expense of a big event. And it's lovely and rewarding marrying people up with research projects that they're passionate about. Francis, for a while there has been talk about the fact that the charity sector is so crowded that um, you know it's really hard to attract the dollar off Kiwis. Do you think that this is the kind of shake-up that... Um, I mean, you know, that it probably was due in order to be able to figure out how to do this? Look, I think I think a number of the, the um, more progressive charities are already looking at really good ways to, um, to try and um, rise above um, or make themselves more visible. And one of the things that CureKids has been really successful in doing is, uh, is collaborating with other charities and but and also with um, with broader partnerships, so that the donor dollar goes twice as far. And our, our, our donors are really um, supportive of that approach because they you know they see their dollar going further. And when charities start working together, you know it's just a much more effective way to um, and smarter um, smarter use of smarter money. Yeah. Now, Francis, tell me about the situation at home in lockdown, being a boss in lockdown. I understand you had to choose between cities. I did. I did. (laughs) So it's been a crazy time. So I'm in a really unusual situation where under normal circumstances, my partner lives in Christchurch and I live in Auckland, and we commute between cities. So Air New Zealand has done very well out of our relationship. Yeah. But I so I had to make the decision as to where lockdown would be. And so... That was tough, but committing to Christchurch meant that I had to leave my daughters in Auckland. They're both in their mid-twenties, so a really independent, grown-up young woman. But we're a very close family, and I really miss them. But, but Francis, oh, right. on the upside, yeah. no, no risk of them throwing parties at the moment, is there? No, exactly. And I'm expecting to go home to my apartment in Auckland and it being spotless. Yeah, but as you were saying, you, 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 be, you will be missing them heaps, and it's a long time to be away from them. It is, and it was particularly hard right at the beginning because my youngest daughter lost her job, and then we have a much adored grand puppy, and my eldest daughter's dog um, passed away really mm. suddenly, um, and so you know it was pretty devastating. And um, as a mother, I felt really bad not being there for them. I bet, but uh, um, yeah. Do Do you have? A, I mean, obviously Auckland is your base, so you're in Christchurch now. Are you finding that you're occasionally reaching over to grab the stapler or something that you need? And it's not there because you're in another place? Look, it seems like, it actually, you know, I think from a sustainability perspective, I think it's going to teach us all some really good work habits. You know, I, I was always a great printer, I'm ashamed to say, well, I don't have access to a printer, so I'm having to read things off the screen. But uh, so that, that's been an interesting way to change practice. But yeah. I actually think practices will change for the better. And I'm really blown away by how wonderfully people have adapted to working from home. You know, we flexed our day-to-day to feed our families and kids. And, you know, on the Cure Kids Zoom meetings, I especially love watching kids and animals sort of popping up in the middle of a Zoom. And it just feels like life just seems a bit more real.